Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 102. Uh, first off, thanks for coming back to the show, or maybe this is your first episode. Took a little bit of time off around the holidays, um, about a month uh, worth of episodes that we didn't do, partly because of the holidays, partly because of um, scheduling issues and things like that. Uh, had a few people that got sick and, you know, just couldn't make it. Uh, but we're back. So we're really excited about it. We're ready to, to kick off 2022. Um, got a killer conversation for you guys, pun intended. Um, on this episode, I'm talking with Patrick Sheridan of the band Fit for an Autopsy. Had a great time talking with him. Um, we talked about the new album, Oh, What the Future Holds. We talked about kind of the formation of the band, kind of where they see themselves going and, you know, fighting through. They've been around for several years now, and it's really kind of starting to pop off for them. So, uh, yeah, we touch on all of that and a lot more. Um, And it was just, again, a really good conversation that we had, and I'm Super excited to be back in the swing of things. Um, Next week, I'm going to have another awesome conversation for you, and we should be good moving forward. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that we're able to keep things pushing forward. For now, though, let's just go ahead and do it. Let's jump in to this conversation with Patrick Sheridan of Fit for an Autopsy. Um. So for anyone that that doesn't know who you are, let's go ahead and start with the basic boring-ass introduction. Who are you? What do you do in the band? And just a little background on yourself. Okay, uh, my name is Pat, Patrick, whatever. Um, I play guitar in the band Fit for an Autopsy. Um, I've been, um, Will and I started the band in 2007 with a handful of local folks. And then kind of stuck with it and it turned into what it is now. Um, we've been, you know, touring, playing and doing the things since probably 2011, uh, signed a nuclear blast records and yeah, we just dropped a new record called, Oh, what the future holds and, uh, things are going pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely want to dive into this album because, you know, I think a, it's obviously your newest, uh, set of work, but B, you know, from what I'm seeing from people, I'm, you know, a little familiar with you guys, but I, I wasn't a big heavy follower uh, up until recently. Um, but, you know, from, from what people are saying and the kind of the reaction that you guys are getting, this is really like your strongest album to date. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say people started really paying attention more during Absolute Hope era of the band. And then since then, each record, things have definitely progressed. But this is the one where I think we're seeing the most traction as far as people paying attention and, you know, record sales and, you know, people wanting to see us live. Shows have been very good. You know, the majority of the shows in the first, you know, two weeks of the tour were sold out or very close to being sold out. And, uh, you know, it just seems like this is the one that, people are really grabbing onto and you know it's it's great to finally you know have the work feel like it's paying off you know what i mean yeah for sure after you know like you said really been pursuing it like heavily since about 2011 so yeah to fight it out for 10 years and then finally start to feel like it's paying off and and what you've done leading up to this has been worth it it it's Probably more rewarding than even the number of streams that are coming in, right? It's extremely satisfying. Um, It's one of those things where at my age, at the ripe old age of almost 46 in a couple of weeks, um, I am extremely lucky to be in a band that's growing. Usually by the time you hit my age, that's done, right? You're not going to grow like that anymore. So – to be able to put the work in and have it pay off at this point in my life, it's a much different experience, I think, than a lot of people would get if your band breaks at 20 or 25 or whatever. You know, 
it's just a whole different set of rules because it's it's unexpected and humbling and you know it's it's just a different kind of different atmosphere for us we're all in our 30s and 40s and we you know blues 39 i'm gonna be 46 hosian's like 35 or 36 you know tim and joe are around 32 so it's just a different experience for us you know it's it's uh it's definitely unexpected and fantastic so yeah for sure and i i think you you nailed it with you know at this age whether you know I still consider 46 relatively young, but uh, I'm 36 myself. But, you know, in the music industry, it's not necessarily that young. And mm-hmm. most bands... Washed up. Yeah, yeah, most bands... Usually washed up at 46. Yep, yeah. on that downswing, and there's nothing you can do. But you guys have, you know, made it through that grind, and now that upswing is coming through, and it's like, okay, well, there's some real potential here. Yeah, you, you never... I mean, you never expect it. You never expect to show up to a 700 cap room on a Thursday night and have them say, hey, we're like 50 tickets shy of a sellout today. Yeah. It just happens, you know? And then it's up to you on how you play that. You know what I mean? And for us, it's just very, very grateful and excited to be here. Yeah, and I think especially after the year that we've just had, right, the year and a half that we've just had with COVID shutting everything down and and really restricting everybody, the amount of bands that are out on tour right now is enormous. So for like you saying, you know, hey, we're here on a Thursday night and we chose your band to be the ones to come see, like, there's no better feeling than that. (laughs) I mean, places like Iowa City doing, you know, almost – 450 kids like it's just been crazy like that kind of stuff doesn't happen so to everybody who's come out on this tour and supported us through you know middle america and places where maybe we never did as great as we did we really see it and we we appreciate it and you know it means a lot to us that things are going well so it's what a what a trip man what a trip you know yeah, for sure. So uh, let's dive into the to the album some. Obviously, um, when the world kind of put the brakes on the music industry, on every industry, but, you know, the music industry was hit probably a little harder than, than a lot of people. Um, what was it like for you guys, you know, because you were kind of still pushing, you know, at that moment, mm-hmm. and then to be told, hey, it's time to go home because we're shutting everything down. Like, what did that feel like? I'll set up a picture for you. We released a new record. We did a headliner in the States. And then we went to Europe. And we did a support tour in Europe with Iardis Murder. And then we came back from that. And we were starting a direct support to Thy Art in the United States. I believe it was... March 12th or 13th we played our first show in Philadelphia on that tour trailer full of merch merch guy sound guy soundboard like the whole night rented vehicle rented trailer I mean everything every expense you could think of we get in we set up we sound check we go get a bite to eat I get a text from the tour manager hey guys first and last show of the tour this is it shutting it down today we played one show went home and we haven't done anything until day one of this tour so when your whole entire career gets taken away from you it's the swiftest kick in the mommy daddy button that you could imagine you know what i mean It is literally like, it is literally like unexplainable. There's not words to describe the, the vibe. Right. And then it's, Oh, you know, a couple months, it'll be a couple months. All right. Well, we got to cancel this tour. All right. Another month. I swear. And you guys will be back. Okay. We got to cancel this tour. Okay. Another month. Okay. I got it. All right. Now we're eight canceled tours in and we're, we have nothing. So when we got to the point where we realized that we're going to be home for a little while, I would say it was like a month or two in, 
you know, Will was like, we got we to gotta write a record. We got to write a record now. And that's how it started. So it's not that there was a fire under our asses or there was like this dire need to write a record because we had a brand new record. But we we wanted to work. We wanted to have a career. We wanted we wanted to be able to be functional and do what we were do what we do. And uh, yeah, you know, it just it just kind of happened, you know. And it, it happened to us the same way it happened to other people. And like me being the obsessive compulsive person that I am, I immediately started thinking like, man, it's not just me. It's promoters, and it's not just promoters. It's bartenders. It's not just bartenders. It's stagehands. It's not stagehands. It's security guards. Yeah. It's not security guards. It's the people that work the ticket counter up front. I mean, the list of people, booking agents, management, like the the amount of money and the amount of work that was taken away from the music industry, it, it goes so far deeper than just the bands. Like, yeah. yes, it was annoying and hard, but also it was the realities of how our job affects so many other people's jobs. Is it, dude, the pressures of that were, were pretty crazy. So, you know, COVID was tough, but, you know, we're all coming back from it. Our record's doing great. And I think COVID helped people discover music. I think COVID was like, I got nothing better to do. Oh, who's this band fit for an autopsy? Who's this, you know, band whatever? Let me check this out. And then records were selling and people were buying merch. And, you know, it, it was a time where things were hard, but it also kind of, prove that there is a need and want for what we do and that that was kind of cool you know yeah for sure and i think you know maybe to will's credit and i'm sure you were all kind of thinking about it but like the idea that hey you know we need to write a record while we're at home to stay relevant almost you know like so that people we don't fade away off this hey, we released an album, but now we're not doing anything. We're just going to use this as a vacation or whatever. It's like, no, that's that's not us. We're going to keep pursuing this dream. Yeah, I mean, we released six pieces of music in like four and a half years. We're not right. good at staying idle. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really hard for Fit for an Autopsy to just be like, oh, you know, we'll just hang out and not work. It's like, no way. Like, I got to work. I, gotta, I, I can't not work, you know? And I mean, I opened a business during the pandemic and it definitely paid off and worked out, but, you know, not as many people were lucky like that, you know? And I saw a lot of people lose a lot of things and a lot of bands didn't make it through COVID and a lot of people's mental health got really, really beaten up. And, you know, I'm, I believe that we as a, as a group are, you know, some of the luckier ones who kind of like, managed to to pull it out there's a lot of people that weren't so lucky so i can't complain about it too much you know yeah for sure and i i think that's a a key point you know like you said just a moment ago about covid allowed people to find music and and discover their need for it and i think that ties into the mental health side of it too like you're stuck in your house you have to find a way to escape and music is a beautiful beautiful thing when it comes to that yeah, you can only you can only hide in your bedroom for so long until you start going stir crazy, and uh, you know you got to find something to tie yourself into. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with the new album, you guys, you know, just dropped it uh, about eight days ago now, uh, roughly. Yeah. So um, you know, again, you you've seen, or at least I've seen, pretty positive reactions and everything. It's your longest album to date. Obviously, COVID probably played some factor into that, right? With not necessarily having a strict deadline on this album has to to drop at this time, right? I mean, there's always a deadline. You know, once once you make the decision to do a record, then you're working on, you know, the label's budget and you, they want things done in a manner where they can have it done. And it's never, you know, a nuclear blast, it's never like push you into a corner, but it's certainly like, hey, we got some, we got some timelines we got to follow and we're going to be putting money out for these things like videos and recording, you know, nothing's free. It all costs money. And, you know, so it's one of those things where we were certainly bound to a schedule, but it was maybe it was, and it, 
it's always it's always important when it's somebody else's dime right you know yeah. it's if it was our money nobody would care how long it took us or what we were doing but when we're working with a label and they're you know backing you on it they want things done in a timely manner and by a schedule that makes sense and you come up with a timeline and you stick to it but um the the easy part about it was that we made the decision when we started and then once the ball started rolling then we had to you know what we had to do what we agreed to and we always do our best to do that and nuclear blast is a great label and they're very forgiving and they understand that sometimes things take time but you know if you're gonna if you're gonna wear the outfit you got to sell the cookies you know what i mean and and uh so we made a deal and we stuck with it and we ended up where we are yeah yeah and i you know i think maybe from the outside perspective or even with me being within the industry but still not in the band camp type thing uh, mm-hmm. was it easier to pitch some of that because Will is the one producing it and things where you can say like, you know, it's not quite as expensive because Will's here or whatever. Oh, that's not how that works. Will gets, okay. <laughs> Will gets paid for, Will gets paid to do his job. Here's the thing. Yes. Will is in our band, but also Will is a very successful producer engineer and he takes care of us. And yes, we can do different things and do whatever, but I mean, the, he's still, using his studio and his time, like I would never say, Oh, you need to do this cheaper. You know, like he, he's, it's a very fair thing for Will. You know, we, we never take advantage of him and he doesn't take advantage of us or our time or, you know, but it is what it is. You know, you still got to rent a drum room. You still got to get the equipment you need. You still got to take hours and hours to mix and master and write songs and do all these things. And, you know, so that it's, it's not necessarily like that. You know, I'm not going to get into specifics, but, right. you know, Will's doing a job and and it's important that he gets paid for his job. And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And I think hopefully, you know, others will hear that and go, OK, because I think there are. Well, I know there are some bands that I've even talked to where someone in the band does the mixing and mastering and whatever. So they're they use their own resources for that. And it's like, OK, but to your point, like he's still doing a job. So, yeah, you know, if, if that's, he's literally, that's fine, but <laughs> he's literally the most sought after producer in metal. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, yes, we're very lucky to have him in the band, but also dude's got to be able to eat. He's got to pay his bills. You know what I mean? So it, you got to do the thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, for people that maybe don't know a ton about will, um, you know, he's, He's done albums for Texas in July, um, Knocked Loose, like... Hired his murder. Yeah. Acacia Strain. He did... uh, He worked on that last Gojira record. He helped do vocals on that. Like, the dude's done just about everything. I mean, if it's metal and it's come out in the past 10 years, he's probably had some influence or done it himself on that record. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, so walk us through a little bit of how the writing process works for you guys. Obviously, every band is different. Are you guys more of a lyrics and concept first, a musical No, we're first? a music. I mean, concept is just very straightforward for Fit for an Autopsy. It's just kind of what's going on around us and how the world is working. And we're influenced by all the things happening, you know, socially and politically and you know, uh, what, whatever the climate is currently is going to affect what's going on. So during COVID, it was kind of easy because a lot of a lot of crazy shit happened in America during the past two years. You know, we had <clears throat> some well-needed uh, social movements come to fruition. And, you know, we had some crazy political things happen. And there's just been a lot of things that have happened in the States that, were fuel to not only um, show the good and the bad and terrible sides of our country, but also just there was a lot of chaos on every turn, you know? So it was, yeah. it was easy to kind of get a hold of some things to write about on this record for sure. And I mean, we always work in the same kind of categories, you know, human suffering, but destruction of our our earth and our resources and like you know we talk about a lot of things will is always at the front 
of you know our sound and our music and he's you know the main contributor as far as writing goes and you know this that's how this project works like that's how it's been pretty much since the second record so you know will and i started this band and you know he was such an important part of it he couldn't put the touring in the way that we do so we found a way to keep him in the band and keep him writing and being creative and still be able to go out on tour and do the thing so it's just a very different kind of approach to songwriting and we all write we all do our part we all solos and leads from me and him and oh blue comes in and writes bass parts hosian does things we all work on lyrics and talk about you know song structures and stuff like that but at the end of the day will is the main contributor you know he is 99 the kid the like the person in the band that knows how to create what we do sonically you know and, and it's it's just how bands work you know there's always one person in the band that has the ideas it's just it's always been that way in every band i've ever been in and this one just happens to be one of the greatest <laughs> metal producers and engineers you know it's hard to argue with him you know what yeah. i mean yeah well yeah with the track record he has at this point if you're like hey that's stupid he can go hey check the scoreboard man like I think I know. It's, not, it's never, it's never even like that. It's more like, yo, I don't like this, and it's like, okay, show me something better, or this is what we're doing. And it's like, okay, and if you can't do something better, then that's it. Then that's what it is, you know. And there's been plenty of times when we've been like, I don't like this, or he said, I don't like that solo, and then I go downstairs and I spend a couple hours rewriting it, you know, or I don't like the way these parts go together. Okay, cool. Let's let's add something or flip some parts or change some lyrics, you know, like. We all contribute, but, you know, it's his project when it comes down to how we sound. Yeah. Um, so speaking on some of the, you know, crazy shit that happened in America, um, you guys have a, a track on here called Far From Heaven. And it's it's been said, you know, already and stuff that it is a direct reflection of how the world looks right now. It's so far from heaven because of yeah. all the stupid shit that's happening. Um, what's it like for you guys when it comes to, you know, we kind of touched on it there, I guess, but like taking these societal issues and these world viewpoints and things and then morphing them into the metaphors and, and similes of, of an art project like this? Well, I think lyrics are really important to be left open to self-interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very unreasonable to expect people to understand what I or Will or Joe or anyone in the band or even you believe lyrics are about, right? Yeah. You can read them and get a baseline idea, but your personal experience is always going to allow the lyrics and the messages in the song to translate into something different than me, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. Like your path and my path, they might go to the same place but they've taken different directions it's just how it works right yeah. so we like to leave a lot of that stuff open to interpretation and write in a way that can be can be open to interpretation can be open to you know different feelings and you know maybe it makes some person angry or maybe another person thinks it's sad or wow this makes me feel good because i feel this way too or you know and that kind of stuff is important so when we write lyrics, we try to write stuff that's got meaning, but we also try to make it um, applicable to different things. Like Will's vegan. So there are songs that we have that Will's written lyrics for that are certainly about his view on certain things that have to do with like animal treatment or, you know, big, big meat industry stuff or like, you know, stuff like that. And but the way they're written, it can translate to so many different things. The listener will never have any idea where he was coming from when he wrote it because right. it just could seem like something else to you. You know what I mean? So that's the idea of lyrics for me and for the band. So when we see things going on, we'll either write something that's so straightforward that you cannot miss it or we'll leave it open and write it in a way where you can create your own view on what it means to you. Yeah. No, and I, I love that. So like when I first started music journalism, because everyone wanted those questions, I would ask bands, you know, like, what's this song about or whatever? Like, what what's your real meaning behind it? And I got to the point where I'm like, you're just shattering that glass ceiling for people where 
now that song maybe doesn't mean what they thought it did, and it takes it away from them, and that's not fair yeah. to them either. 100%. Music is an experience, you know? Art is an experience, and when you start limiting art or limiting music by rules or forcing a concept or a construct on somebody about what it's about, I mean, yes, there has to be certain things that are laid out there for sure, but eventually it just gets to the point where you're limiting the project so much that it's just not going to be as genuine. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's where, I don't know that you guys have had, had this experience necessarily, but like up until someone totally misinterprets to a, to a like devastation point, I guess is the way I want to put it. Like let anybody think whatever they want, but like, I guess the easy example is, when politicians start using songs from bands to support their political views because they think yeah. it means a certain thing. And it's like, nope, we're going to pump the brakes on that. Have you guys had anything that you're like, hey, you're getting close to dangerous territory here? No, I mean, not really. And I'll be honest with you, like, I don't care about that. <laughs> if people don't understand it. But I, well, you know, here, this just made me realize why I'm saying what I'm saying. The song Black Mammoth is very outspoken about a very particular set of things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we started talking about it, and, you know, there were some things put out there about the song, and I'll leave that if you want to choose to go read it on the internet or not. Right. But um, somebody said, hey, man, you better not get too political because you're going to alienate your fans, bro. And I was like, have you ever read our lyrics? Like, have you ever, you, 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 you say your favorite song is Black Mammoth. Like, you know what that song's about? Like, do you, do you, have you ever watched the video that we put out about it? And, and see what, right. like, because we were talking about, like, how the Dalble Pipeline is going to basically destroy the environment around it. And, you know, that song that we wrote is about, not only the Dalpa pipeline being built through, you know, indigenous people's land in our country and how all of these things are happening and it's going to destroy the environment. I mean, you cannot get much more socially pointed or political than that song. And it's like, you don't, you don't get what any of this is about. You know what I mean? And, yeah. but you want to know what? That's okay. It's okay. Maybe you just like the song. Maybe you like the riffs. That's fucking cool. But like also, don't say something like that without taking a minute to understand what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's as close as we've gotten to what you're talking about. But like, you know, you mentioned far from heaven and like a lot of that song has to do with like how religion and Christianity have been on the bad side of a lot of things. Right. Yeah. It's got a lot to do with that. Yeah. But I like the fact that people are saying, yeah, you know, that song, you know, it's got a lot to do with where we're at. Like, we're so far away from heaven and so far away from being good. that that That's also a great point that the song lies within. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's, that's a good, that's a really good example of how a song can mean something similar but different to what we were trying to get across. So, yeah, that's a great interpretation of it. So... That's pretty cool. That's a, this is actually the first time I've ever heard anybody say that. So I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty into that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's one of those, when you have someone come to you and they're like, Hey, you know, you're going to alienate fans or whatever. It's like, like you said, like, Hey, have you listened to our catalog? Cause maybe you've missed our message this whole time. But even yeah. aside from that, like, I don't, it's going to sound like really gatekeeper-ish, I guess. But like if one person says, I'm going to alienate this whole class, but everybody else is saying, dude, this is right where it needs to be. You know, we're, this is inclusive. Like, fuck that guy. See you later. You know, like you go. Right. It, well, here, here's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in the whole, oh, you know, you're a gatekeeper if you, think one thing or another but like man sometimes sometimes fuck i don't want to i don't want to sound 
the wrong way, but man, there are just people that I would just rather not have yeah. like listen or speak about us on the internet. There's certain types of people I don't want to be aligned with. There's just people, you know, like a lot of us are trying to do better. And, and there's a lot of people out there that don't know what that means. And without getting too far into a rant, cause we were literally talking about this earlier, like the hardest part about being a human being is looking at yourself in the mirror and be like, yo man, I'm fucking this up. Like I'm, I'm messing up my life. I've been a bad person. I've said and done bad things and I want to do better. I want to do better for me. I want to do better for the people around me. And that's, to me, that's that's what this world needs. It's just like self-reflection and taking some time to figure out where you've been going wrong because we're all wrong on some level, some more than others. But the only thing that can fix that is to better. Yeah. That's it. So like, if you're telling me you're going to alienate me, bro, it's like, well, maybe our views don't align, but you're telling me that I'm wrong. But – I might not be wrong, dude. Like maybe you're wrong or maybe my right isn't your right. Maybe what's right for me isn't right for you. And that doesn't mean that you're wrong and it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It just means that my life doesn't work like yours does. And people can't accept those kinds of things. You know, there are a lot of things that are just inherently wrong, right? Like we can go down a list of things from top to bottom that are just wrong. But then there are a lot of things that are kind of like almost opinion based that you can't say it's wrong or right. You can just say, well, that I can't live like that, but it's cool if it works for you. Like I'm not a religious guy. It's pretty obvious in my music, you know, but there are some people that need that in their lives. And if they're not hurting anyone else and they just need that for their every day, then I support it. Go ahead. I'm straight edge, right? I don't do drugs or drink or, any of that kind of stuff because I just know it's not good for me, but it's pl- plenty fine for me to sit in a bar while you have a beer and I have a water and we, we talk about life. Like I don't need to hate you because of that. So there's just these things that people use as weapons that are way more bad than good. So, you know, just like get over yourself, realize that you could be doing better, realize that just because you don't agree with something, it doesn't mean it's wrong. And, Accept people, dude. Tolerance. Tolerance for reasonable differences. You know what I mean? Is right. is very important. And bro, I didn't always live my best life. You know what I mean? It took me a long time to realize all the things I was doing wrong and how I could be a better person. And and that's all that this world needs is just for everybody to want to do better. So if you don't like what we're doing, it's so sick. You can just reach right over and click the stop button. And go ahead and put on five figure death punch or whatever it is you want to listen to and just fucking enjoy your day with that and have a blast. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's just, I just don't understand the logic. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. And I'm so glad that, that you said a couple things because it relates to me as well. Like I'm not a super religious person. I grew up, you know, in a church and stuff like that. And it just wasn't sure. for me. Uh, and then I'm straight edge as well. And people all the time are like, how, how can you not drink? How can you, know, yeah, how, how can you how do you have these people? How do you have fun? That's right. my favorite thing. How do you have fun? And I'm like, fuck it. I don't know. Just, I sit around and watch you fall over from alcohol poisoning. And that's pretty fucking fun yeah. because I get to remember it all. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, dude, it's so funny how people, I mean, I can be judgy, you know, but it's really funny how people believe that there are just these things you have to do, you know, you're in a metal band and you don't smoke weed. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's crazy. Right. Like, wow. Like, you know, like it's just nuts to me. It, it really is. So yeah, I, I, that's cool that you're, how old are you? 36. 36 and still straight edge, dude. I love yep. that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, man. Loving it too. Like there, you know, and I'm sure you've had moments. There've been moments where it's like, mm, maybe, but then I'm like, but why? Like, I, I just don't, to me, there's no appeal to it. Yeah. When I was a kid, I did drugs and drank and did all that stuff. And I was straight edge when I was really young. And it didn't matter because, you know, until you're 21 years old, being straight edge is just a thing you do because that's it's just what it is. Right. But then, like, you know, I, when I was 
in my late teens, I started drinking and smoking pot and doing that thing. And then in my mid twenties, I was like, what am I doing? I gave it all up and I waited like a year. And then I was like, man, you know what? Like I'm, I'm going to go edge again. Number one, it's going to make people mad that I left and, and that I'm <laughs> claiming again. But number two, it's just, it just seemed like a good thing to do something smart for me. And now I'm in my late forties touring in a metal band and I still stick to it. So, you know, people change and people make mistakes and, you can better yourself and then that's it. That's, it just is what it is. Yeah. No, that's, like I said, that's incredible. And I'm a huge fan of that and, and super glad you brought that up. Cause I think obviously the mainstream perception is that that's not cool, but you know, hopefully people will listen to this and hear you and be like, you know what, maybe, maybe all right. Like maybe I need to try it. Not necessarily as a, to, uh, you know, imitate or anything, but like a, Oh, this doesn't necessarily have to be the only way to live a life. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? You want to you wanna be able to see that there are other ways to do the things that get done, you know? Some people go on tour and they party. Some people go on tour and they read or write books. Or some people go on tour and they, you know, we wake up every morning and go to the gym and eat healthy and do all these things. Like, you know, I, I adhere to what I do because it's what works for me. And it doesn't always necessarily work for everyone. And this is exactly what we were talking about before. And that's just it. You know, like, it's really stupid for me to think that everything that I think is right or good for me is going to be right or good for somebody else. It's just ignorance. You know what I mean? Like, you have to accept the fact that your right is generally only right for you. You know, and that's hard for people to deal with. Egos get in the way of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. My ego gets in the way of it sometimes. You know, I feel like I'm right and I want to express that. And then I go and I sit down and I think about it. I'm like, damn it. Like, I'm being a hypocrite. Like, I got to cut it out. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's life isn't life is easy, but it's also difficult <laughs> at yeah. the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's it's that whole, you know, life isn't black and white. It's shades of gray, because depending on where you grew up or how you grew up, things like that, like. What is, like you said, what is right for you may not be fully right for me. But I think the true measure of being a good person is for us to be able to have that conversation and go, you know what? I don't agree with it, but that's cool. Go, you know, you're not hurting me by living your life that way. So I'm, I'm done, you know. As long as you're not fucking hurting puppies or kittens or hurting babies or making other people's lives difficult or, you know, that's the thing. Like, we live in a time where people's feelings and what people see themselves as or, you know, what they believe is more important than um, the constructs that are set up in our society. And, you know, we're going through a time now where it's a bit extreme on a lot of sides because it's all new. Right. You know, this is all new. So things are happening and reactions are happening and it's becoming more to the normal side of things now for everything that's going on. But in the beginning, it's always a shock, you know? So as time goes on and it becomes more familiar and it just becomes more accepted and comfortable and people start signing up to the idea of like, Hey, you know what? It does matter what these people see themselves as, or it does matter how these people feel and, you know, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's wrong. And it becomes less and less shocking and more and more normal. And then we can get past the extreme side of things and move into some kind of new normalcy that will be easier for us to move through as a society. You know, everybody wants everything to happen like that. You know, as much as we pretend that we don't, we do. And, um, you know, there are a lot of things that have been going on for years and years and years that just shouldn't fucking be here and should be going away. But there's also like a lot of new things happening that are going to take a little while to become widely accepted the way we all wish they would. You know what I mean? So we got some catching up to do, but we also have some, uh, I guess, some things to get used to that are new as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, like it, it is so shocking for most people because it is new and it's 
you know, we live in a, an age now where all the info in the world is at your fingertips, right? Smart. There's no ignoring anything else. anymore. There's yeah, just exactly. no, there's no, there's no more. Oh, well, I've never seen a person that looks like that before. Or there's no more. Well, I've never heard of that kind of lifestyle because fucking everything is there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every goddamn thing is there. It's why things that have been happening for years and years and years and years, since like the beginning of time, seem more extreme now because we're actually seeing it in real time. But it's kind of always been that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Police violence has kind of always existed. Like these things have always kind of been there. It's just now you can see it instantly. There's no hiding. You know, the cops can't grab your phone anymore or the cops can't stop you from filming or, you know, it's not just words anymore. Now it's video and images of these terrible things that are going on. You know, you can't hide from it anymore. So now, now the information highway is a lot more than just a place to learn how to cook a meal or play a guitar riff. Now it's like, holy shit, like it's all right here for us. So there's no more excuses about that kind of stuff. And it's, it's cool. It's, it's really cool. I like it because you know, if some cop beats up some fucking poor kid on the side of the road, they can't fucking hide from him anymore. And they got to They got to you know, more and more and more it's being put out there and they're having the police are having to deal with it. And like these people that are doing all these things are having to deal with it. And you know, our, our politicians are having to deal with the things that they do in real time. And that's, that's a great wake up call that as a society, we can protect each other and do the right thing simply by having a phone. Yeah. Like we're looking at each other doing an interview over the phone right now. Right. Like there's no more hiding. There's no more lying about it. So there's just so much happening right now. It's extreme. You know what I mean? And it, this all plays into how things can get better or things can get worse, depending on how people treat these kinds of things. So, you know, I'm trying to kind of like talk around my personal views right. a little bit without like but. nailing it in there because we're just going to end up on this rant and I don't want to do that, but good for the people that can broadcast these fucking atrocities that are happening and good for the people that are doing these bad things and getting punished for it, for the things that they deserve. And we live in a time now where there's no more excuses or hiding from truths. Everything is out there and you need, and I don't know it all, but if I have, if I have a question, I certainly know how to find the answer. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's exactly what I was just getting ready to tie that into as well is that, you know, like as much as there's no more illusion of, of, people being able to hide or, you know, whether it's police, politicians, whoever, even your neighbor can't hide anymore when it really comes down to it. But there's also no excuse now to not get educated. If you don't understand Facts. something or don't, I, I could never understand why this is this way or how somebody could be like that. Google will tell you everything you fucking want to know in yep. the blink of an eye. <laughs> And if Google doesn't break it down enough for you, there are plenty of other places that will. There's plenty. I mean, you can watch people talk about it on the Internet. You can read about it. You can listen to audio books. Like, there's no more excuses. Like, it's out there. The answers are all out there. So, you know, whatever. And then it, then it depends on what you do with the information, right? right. So, Which yeah, hopefully but, is a positive thing back to your, you know, being a better person. And you'll absorb yep. this information and go, okay, maybe I won't do that in my life. But it's not going to kill me that somebody else is doing it either. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, it was a little bit of a rant, but it all still tied back to the, the Far From Heaven. To, okay, yeah, right? to the Far From Heaven. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how we did it, but we did it. Yeah, no, it's all good, man. Um, these are the conversations that I love, too, though, because it's like it's it's not so question, answer, structured. Like getting the views like this and being able to have a personable conversation with an artist and, you know, ultimately you're just a human being. And I think that gets forgotten by a lot of fans is that, oh, you're, you're in a band, you're this stage presence all the time, whatever. Like at the end of the day, you're still just a human being and you have views and 
to some degree, yes, you're putting on that mask, quote unquote, for being on stage. But sure, you're still allowed to have feelings and thoughts and be a person. Well, I mean, ale allegedly we are, because here's what happens. If I have a feeling that doesn't line up with somebody, it's nobody wants to hear your opinion, bro. Stick to playing guitar. But if I agree with you, then it's like, oh, yeah, well, see, they agree with me and that they're musicians. They're a huge band, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, my favorite big band agrees with what I'm saying. You know what I mean? It's like, like, OK, cool. Like you. You and the dude from Metallica have the same views. That's great. But when his views are different than yours, he's just a shitty musician and he should just shut up. You know, like, yeah. it's not fair. You know no, what I mean? No, it's, and, it's really not. So, And, you know, it goes back to us being slightly judgmental, but everybody is. But it always kills me when people try to do that. Like, oh, this celebrity and I view this the same way. And it's like, okay, so two people view this shitty thing as a good thing. Right. But, but we all don't, so... Yeah. Being right or wrong doesn't equate to the, the amount of Instagram followers that you have. Right. Because let me tell you something. I got a little handful of Instagram followers, and I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> a lot. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's all good. Awesome, man. Um, so, I did take some, some Instagram questions while we're on that topic. Um, okay. And I think, you know, we've kind of touched on a couple of them already, I think. So one buddy, uh, what's his name? T-Box1029 wants to know okay. kind of what our influences are on the new album. Obviously, Will played a huge factor in it, but, you know, kind of yeah. where is your head at? I mean, it was a million different things. Musically, we're always taking influence from things that we grew up with or new music that's out and about. Um, socially, you know, and, you know, just world uh, circumstances, I guess you could say, um, are definitely influential on, you know, the lyrics and the, and the way we write and, you know, what's going on around us could make a record sad or make a record angry, stuff like that. It's just, you know, your typical, um, you know, worldview influence and music influence that you get. I mean, we all listen to and love different things. So there's, I would say there's a lot of different, things that pushed us to write the record the way we did awesome and then we had two people that a both uh said you know strongest album of of your career so far and things like that but both of them want to know right. we've already said like we don't want to give it away fully because a song meaning takes away the song meaning but both of them are curious for the uh the closing track kind of you know the man i that i was not like what does that mean, I guess, for you uh, as far as content or just message of the song? Not, not being able to be what you needed to be at a specific time. Like, the for me, it's the idea of, like, the man that I was not, the person that I was not capable of being, the thing that I couldn't have been at that particular time. We've all been in those situations where could have done it better, should have, could have, would have. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of the whole thing for me. You know, and again, it, it could translate to something different for somebody else. But like when I hear that first thing that puts in the head, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think, you know, it ties into so I have a mental health. Um, and something that I say on there a lot is this feeling of, you know, being a better person like we've talked about and then becoming the person that you needed when you were younger and i think that song is just the flip side of that recognizing that you weren't the yeah. person that you needed to be then yep yeah exactly you were not the person that you needed to be at the time that you needed to be that thing and the self-realization of what you needed at that time like it's just a very it, to me it's kind of like a cut and dry thing when i hear about it like the way that lyrics are written, even within our band, when I read them sometimes, I'll just be like, man, this is powerful enough to make me feel and think about this particular thing. I'm not the one that's writing the lyrics. So I am right. up to interpretation on it the same way that everybody else is. And I know what Will was thinking or Joe was thinking when they were writing it. But like the song Napalm Dreams has a such, I went through a pretty crazy mental health 
thing when I was younger, and that song definitely has a meaning than what it means for me. Because, like, there's that line in that song that all I wanted was a way out thing. Yeah. And that means something very different for me than it means for the person who's singing it. And I think that's okay. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, you know, it, your best bet with our lyrics is to read it and see what it applies to you. You know what I mean? And, and I truly believe that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can tell people all day what it means to Will or what it means to me. But at the end of the day, like, it's going to mean what it means to whoever the interpreter is. Right. Yeah, I, I'm going to misquote him, I'm sure, but Dave Grohl did a a podcast or the comment that the thing he loves about writing music is that he can write a song about a very specific thing in his life at that moment, but it means a million different things to everyone that hears it. Yeah, I think, what was what song was that? That was that Learning to Fly song. Yeah. Like, the song was literally about him learning to fly. Right. And And... But other people took it as other things. I took it as something different. Dave Grohl is fucking genius. If there was one, Dave Grohl, if you ever hear this, I want to I want to hang out with you for a half an hour and talk to you about your life because Jesus Christ, you know, like yeah. the dude's a genius. But I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, man, it's all up for interpretation. Yeah. And, you know, you're a little bit older than me even, but I'm sure there's stuff that you've listened to through your life that at the first time you heard it, it meant one thing. And then coming back to it 10 years later, being in a different headspace and whatever yourself, it's like, Oh, well now it means this to me. And I, I can still relate here. Or even you go back to that, that feeling of what it meant at the time that you, you know, right. Oh, I'm, you know, I forgot how much this meant to me, or I forgot about this point in my life. Like, Music is like this little time marker or bookmarker where like it takes you back to places and it's okay to refeel those feelings again. You know what I mean? Like there's no fucking rules. There's right. no rules. You know, don't limit art. So yeah. that was a great question. Yeah. I, I love that. song. yeah. Awesome. Um, that's basically everything I have. So I always like to end with like a, a couple more fun questions or, or whatever, just not as serious, I guess. Uh, so number one is going to be the kind of probably overplayed question of if you guys are designing your perfect tour lineup, who are you guys going out with? Alive, dead, doesn't matter, you know, still together or not. What would be a dream scenario for you? Does it have to work together or can it just be ridiculous? Be as ridiculous because as you I know. got about I got three hundred different versions of that in my head. <laughs> uh, modern modern bands. Let's start there. Like bands that I feel like we would do really well with. I think like the Lamb of Gods and the Gojiras, the Mashugas. Like I feel like we do well with those bands. I would love to go out with a band like Animals as Leaders because I think that could be like a really fun thing to be, you know, on stage next to. You know, Javier and, and Tosin are like two of the most incredible players and the band is so perfect. So it'd be great to have the pressure of having to open for a band that's that on point every night, you know, right. get, get put under the microscope by not only people in the bands, but their fans, because the fans of those bands are very hypercritical. Um, that would be cool. Uh, and then, like, let's say um, personal satisfaction. I would like to go on tour with Steely Dan because I would just want to watch Steely Dan play every night. And unfortunately, uh, Walter Becker, their guitar player, passed a couple years back. But Steely Dan is my all-time favorite band ever. So that would be like a cool – obviously, when, in no world would that ever work. But that would right. be so sick. you know. Um, I don't know. I'd like to go out – a more tangible one, I'd like to go out with Black Dahlia Murder. I think yeah. Black Dahlia is filled with people that I really enjoy. Max and Trevor, a couple of my favorite guys in the industry. Uh, their rhythm section is incredible. Um, yeah, Brendan Ellis is a, a, he is an unbelievable guitar player. Like that kid is just out of control. And the whole band across the board, every member is great. So that would be cool. Um, I'd like to tour with some like older bands like Carcass. Cargas, I'm wearing the shirt. They're like one of my favorite bands ever. Um, I would like to tour with uh, maybe like a Judas Priest 
or some kind of like cool legacy band. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a million scenarios that would be amazing for me. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then the one that I'm actually starting this question with you, it's a, a new little uh, fun idea that I came up with, I think. And that's, I just want one of your hot takes. What's something that you've got your opinion on that is just a hot take that nobody else is, uh, or that you're probably going to catch shit for? Ooh, man. Jeez. <laughs> uh, it can be as serious or not serious as you want. Like, I was talking to some friends, and literally one of my buddies is like, bologna's a better lunch meat than ham. And I'm like, mm, you're wrong, but okay. I mean, that works, I guess. Uh... There's this one thing that keeps popping out in my mind that's going to get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I don't love Iron Maiden. Okay. Um, in my band in particular, it's a very sore subject. I also don't like Kiss. I don't like the band Kiss. Yeah. I hate it. Um, Iron Maiden, I respect it so much and like Number of the Beast is a sick record, but after that, it just doesn't do it for me. It's never been, it's never been my thing. I, I get why people love it. The songwriting is incredible. The visuals are unbelievable. But people are like, "How can you like heavy metal and not like Iron Maiden?" It's like, well, it's just not my bag, dude. It just, it's not. It, it, at the time that I came up, like what I was into when I was a kid, like going from punk rock to hardcore, and then my first real introduction to like real real heavy metal was like you know obviously the priests and i was listening to venom a little bit and stuff like that but obituary deicide like morbid angel suffocation first and second wave death metal stuff like really getting exposed to the super heavy like iron man just didn't stand up to that for me it's more glorious now now don't get me wrong i would love to see them live they are the masters of visuals and music and putting it together and creating a thing. But at home, I, I don't, it'll be a rare day to have me put on an Iron Maiden record. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's one that'll get people riled up about me. But, you know, you know respect wise, unbelievable. Musicianship wise, unbelievable. Those guys are well on and, you know, past most people's prime and they're still doing it better than. They, I think that maybe they were even doing it in their prime. So yeah. respect to to the top of my teeth, but just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, no, I I fully support that because I'm kind of the same way. Like you you mentioned Kiss, and like I've got friends that <laughs> fucking love Kiss, and I'm like, why? Yeah, like, where where's the appeal? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. So awesome. It's like, awesome. it's like watching war. Right. So, but Guar is at least fun. Right. Guar well, is like, super fun. I'm a, I'm a concert photographer as well. And like, so they were at Warp Tour, you know, a few years back. And a few of my photographer friends are like, dude, we have to go photograph Guar. And I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. No, thanks. I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to ruin my equipment. Well, yeah, that too. But just even aside from that, like, I know what it's going to be like. I, and again, all yeah, the credit Guar, to them. Dude. That's that was a scum dogs of the universe. Is that the name of that record? That yeah. record's a fucking ripper, dude. I can listen to that record every day. It's great. It's hilarious and like really funny bits on it. And like they 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 do a different thing. It's just you know, I, I don't know. I I'm just weird about gimmicky stuff, and you know, it's hard for me. And I said I'm not talking bad about them. I understand why people love it, and I know. That dude that created it was like a genius and very well respected. And it's unfortunate that David, I believe his name was that he passed away and all that. Yeah. But like, you know, to each their own. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so to take us out, I'm going to give you the, the floor for the kind of standard outro. You guys are on tour. So obviously plug that. Um, all yep. your socials, which I'll link. But where can people find you? What can they expect over the next couple months? And what does 2022 look like for you guys? Well, right now, um, like you said, we're we're out on a tour for our headliner for the new record, Oh, What the Future Holds. If you want to check out the record or pick it up or grab any merch, you can go to ohwhatthefutureholds.com and check out what we got going on there. 
Um, we will be out on tour for, I believe, the next three weeks. Um, we will be going from Arizona, Texas, um, across the country into Florida, then up into the you know tri-state area to finish up, and that will end the end of February. I believe February 12th is our last date at the Gramercy Theater in uh, New York City. And then um, we did have some plans for touring, but with COVID, it's kind of like a little up in the air right now. It's looking better than it did a year and a half ago. But, um, you know, it, we're not real sure on how everything's going to pan out, but we certainly will be back out on the road again sometime in, you know, 2022. And uh, you, you can look out to that. We're trying to get back to Europe. We're trying to do Central America and Mexico. We're trying to do, you know, Southeast Asia. We want to go to Canada, Australia. We're trying to go everywhere. So if it is possible, we will be out playing and ripping shows and hanging out. And like I said before, to everybody listening, to anybody who supported the band, supported this tour, picked up a record, talked about it on the internet, whether you loved it or hated it, as long as you gave it a chance, we appreciate you. And we appreciate everybody who's taken the time to put into the band. Thank you to Nuclear Blast Records. Thanks to Will for, you know, helping us do all the things that we do while we're out on the road slaving away. And, you know, we just want to get out there and play as much as we can for everybody. So hopefully we'll see everybody soon. Yeah. Awesome, man. And like I said, there's there's a chance I'll be able to, uh, to sneak down to one of those Tennessee shows. So we'll see if I can't work that out. Uh, but no, I'm stoked for you guys. And like I said, appearance-wise from, from fan base and critics, it seems like, you know, everybody's kind of in the same uh, mindset with you as far as this being the the strongest performance to date. And hopefully that just grows and grows like we were talking earlier and, you know, not a downswing. This is all the upswing and, and just blowing up. Well, let's fucking go, bro. I'm ready to go. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time so much. Appreciate you too, man. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one. You too. And that was my conversation with Patrick of Fit for an Autopsy. Huge shout out to him for taking the time to do the interview. Um, Caught him on a day off, which for anyone that does music journalism or that's in a band or anything like that, um, when a band is on tour, their days off are pretty sacred. So... uh, huge thank you for taking the time to do that um want to know what you guys think you know obviously again critics and the buzz online is that this is the strongest album to date and that you know they're they're really just pushing and hustling but like pat said you know he's he's in his mid to late 40s now and it's just now coming around for him Um, So I'm curious to hear from you guys, like, what do you think it is that made this album be the one that everybody seems to just say they it's clicked? You know, this is they've figured it out. This is the way that they need to go um, and that you're excited for the the future with it. Um, Make sure, as always, that you go follow on any of the social medias, um, give them a follow on, you know, Spotify or wherever you stream your music, um, like, share, you know, send all their stuff to, to your friends and whatnot. Um, that's all free guys. And it is exponentially impactful. All it takes is, you know, a couple minutes of your time to like and share and follow them and the amount of return that can come back to them off that stuff, not just from, you know, streams paying them or whatever, but from people discovering them and wanting to get out to see shows and buying merch and all of that, it's exponentially powerful. So hop over, do all the free things. Um, and obviously, if you're a fan, support them buy the vinyl, get out to see a show. Um, The day that this episode is going live, they're actually playing a show in Texas. They've got, you know, a few Texas dates and they're, you know, kind of moving on with the tour and everything. They just posted uh, today, 
which is Monday at the time of me recording this outro, that they've got vinyls. They still have some first pressing vinyls. So get out there, support them, support any artist that you're a fan of. Um, you know, shows are, are coming back. The music industry's trying to restart. Get out to shows early. Watch those openers. Give them love and support because they're out there busting their ass, trying to to show what they can do. And, you know, I think you're going to be really surprised. I've said it for, man, this makes me sound old. I've said it for decades going to shows that you're going to discover openers that you love as much as the headliner that you're actually there for. Um, so, yeah, that's everything for this week, guys. Make sure you hop over, give us a like, a share, subscribe on any of the streaming platforms. Um, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's where we're most active. Um, And head over to the You Make the Scene website. Uh, I've got the Weekend Waves 2022 playlist on Spotify that's getting updated every week. Um, We've got merch. Some new designs coming soon for merch, uh, which is at youmakethescene.com slash shop. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm going to have to start talking about it a little more because I keep seeing people say that they go to these shows and they walk out deaf. Um, head over to eargasmearplugs.com. Pick up a set of high-fidelity earplugs. That's the ones that I use. I'm in the pit doing photography. I never have any issues with these earplugs. It does not sacrifice the sound of the music. Um, And then use the code, you make the scene, and you are going to get 10% off of your order. So um, you have no reason not to protect your ears. You're not too cool. Ear damage does not give a fuck about your age. It will destroy you. That's everything, guys. Um, This year, I don't think I'm going to do outro songs anymore. I haven't fully decided, but on this episode, we're going to start without one. Um, And yeah, we'll see where things go. Remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.